my friends, Matt Gurney here of The Line for Jen Gerson. This is our last podcast, not for the summer. We will be sticking around, but we're taking a couple of weeks off. Uh, I'm going to take the first two weeks off. Jen is going to take the second and third week of the summer off. So this is probably going to be the last time you hear from us in this form for a few weeks. Uh, if there are big news developments, we will report on them. We will trickle out the odd article over this vacation as well. But honestly, we're fried. We do this job on a part-time basis. We need a break, and we're going to take it now while we hope the news cycle slows down. So please do enjoy this uh, last episode for now of the podcast. We got a really mixed bag for you today. We've got some RCMP stuff, some uh, Pierre Polyev campaign stuff, uh, an Alberta Auditor General report, Roe v. Wade fallout, and also a lot of Star Trek and Star Wars for you. So stay tuned and enjoy the latest episode of The Line's Experimental Podcast. Well, hello, Jen Gerson. I, I We have some time pressure today. We're both going off on vacation. This is the last thing we have to do, so we, we want to get it done. just want to mention to you, I told you perhaps the most first world thing I've ever told you a few minutes ago, which was, hang on, I can do the podcast in a minute, but I'm just getting the smoker on because I have to smoke a fish. <laughs> that's not first world. That's that's just bougie. Yeah, bougie. It's bougie star. as fuck. Yeah. Um, well, so you know, you're on vacation, but I'm kind of technically not. I'm going on vacation on the 10th to the, okay. the 23rd is kind of sort of when I'm traveling. Yeah, so the line will be quiet the next couple of weeks. We'll be quiet, but if you want me to go handle whatever stuff that comes in, like I'm sure that we'll have the odd thing come in, so um, I can handle those while you're off and then vice versa. Uh, we will not be doing, uh, will we be, I don't think we'll be doing dispatches the next two weeks though, right? Probably not, no. no. Okay. Unless so something major happens and you yeah. need to jump yeah, in. Yeah, there's a major day. news event. We'll, and, I, uh, and, I, and I fully expect to be partially working when I'm on vacation, so I'll be in Toronto for that time, so... Just FYI. When, when do you fly out? Uh, the 10th. All right. I'll see you after that. Yeah, um, okay. Yeah. So basically the line will be quiet for the next couple of weeks. We'll be on a lighter summer publication schedule anyway, but like the line editors are taking holiday for the next well, couple of and, weeks. I know that, but just for our, our, our readers. So, you know, part of the reason is that because we, we you know, we, we track your engagement numbers and we know that they fall through the floor, like <laughs> July 1st to August 31st. Yep. And this is, this is not unique to us. This is every single, um, news outlet does sort of pull think but pull back in summer just because everybody's sort of disengaged yeah you know i remember years ago talking with a friend who is new to canada um and was desperately trying to get some business locked up and he was so frustrated he couldn't get anything done in july and august and i was like yeah, dude no. they're at the cottage yeah like everybody you need to talk to even if you can find one person on a given week, the person that person needs to talk to is at the cottage. Like, yeah. and he, he was so freaked out about this. And then like three days after Labor Day, he had the contract signed off to the races, but like between Canada Day and Labor Day, so you can't get Fran anything done. France does the same thing in August, right? Like everybody just leaves Paris in August. We do it it's unofficially. Just we do it unofficially yeah. yes but and, and like people are still like at 25 percent is kind of how you think of it right but yeah. like stampede marks the beginning of canadian summer and then everybody's basically mailing it in for the next eight weeks it's just what between it victoria day and canada day there's the long period of like fake work and then yes. between july and august we stop even pretending the, the, the pretense the but i mean when you have winters like we do can you blame us no no, no and I, I'm I'm my most workaholic in the winter because it's either that or stare outside of the dark. So yes. there you go. All right. Um, RCMP update. Um, I don't have a ton to say about this. Um, 
So we, I walked everybody through the timeline last week, and it was a big part of our dispatch last week. Uh, what we've learned this week. Uh, so to, just to, to catch everybody up, the shootings in early 2020, the inquiry is convened uh, later that year in the fall. And documents were released late to the inquiry that reveal that shortly after the shooting, one of the local RCMP commanders, Superintendent Darren Campbell, had written in his contemporaneous notes that the commissioner of the RCMP, the National Commissioner Brenda Lucky, had told him she was under political pressure to uh, get details released ahead of a pending gun control announcement. So the implication, these are allegations, but the implication is the liberals wanted the RCMP to put some details out so that they could then be seen uh, proactively responding to them. Late last week, the latest when we did our, our podcast was that uh, the, the federal government had acknowledged it had held the notes of that meeting back and it said it was for a privileged review. And then they had said that they shouldn't have done that. Oops, are bad. And then on Tuesday of this week, it was revealed that there was another document that also corroborated Campbell's version of events, uh, written by a civilian, not a, not a member of uh, the RCMP, but a civilian staffer who had been do doing some of the communications work after the, the incident. And she had written a scathing letter to Commissioner Lucky where she said, how dare you put political pressure on us when we're dealing with this investigation? So it doesn't change the narrative it reinforces the narrative. It's not like we learned anything new here, but last week we had one lower ranked RCMP officer accusing the boss of a bad thing. Now we have another written email written at a different time by a different person, and in this case, a civilian who corroborates what Superintendent Campbell had said. So Commissioner Lucky has reiterated her vague non-denial, but what was interesting is I think the federal tone changed just a little bit this week. We did not direct, and like at first they were denying, oh, there's not, there's no there there, and now they've changed. It's just a, it's subtle, but it's well, we did we did not do any direction. So I wonder if they're starting to look at Lucky as a liability. And this is not a new story; it has shifted just as like it did with the SNC scandal, right? We'll see. Um, I mean, look, I, we're on vacation in half an hour. If they can ride out the next half hour, maybe this goes away. If maybe they can this make goes it past away. Long weekend. I mean, the thing that there, you had two tweets that I thought were really funny and good, and one was, you know, uh, Commissioner Lucky is still in the denial stage of mourning, mourning the death of her career, and also the sound of the bus pulling up very slowly, creeping forward. Um, so I think it's pretty clear though that the liberals are not in any rush to to throw her under the bus because that would have to that would confirm the narrative. And you're quite right; if they can ride this out, all the better. But definitely, they're setting themselves themselves up to do so. Where this does get interesting is that there is going to be a committee meeting um, on this. I think in July. There's going to be a series of them. It's going yeah, to be a parliamentary yeah. committee in July, and parliamentary then committee. casualty commission in Nova Scotia has Campbell and Lucky scheduled for August. So, I mean, if if Lucky comes to terms with the fact that the, if she's politically savvy enough to come to terms with what has happened to her and what is about to happen to her, she might basically spill the beans on on what the what the actual deal oh, yeah. is, which could be very bad for liberals. And if that happens, we probably are going to have to reconvene our 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 um dispatch. That slamming being said, her resignation letter down on the prime minister's desk and then backing out of the room yeah, like this could could 100 happen um but that being Probably said not. i mean i'm willing to bet that that you know assuming that there was inappropriate political pressure put on her every incentive will be given to her to um uh, minimize or undermine that point so you know is she going to go full jody wilson revolt here 
or is she gonna gonna be the good teammate? I don't I don't know which way it is. Presuming there is a there there, which of course there may not be. I think civilians underestimate how hard it is for uniformed personnel, military or law enforcement to speak out against civilian authority. Even when like, if we assume that lucky is guilty as sin, if we further assume, which I can't prove now, I think there's more proof aimed at lucky than there is at the higher levels. That's right. I mean, we've already established that lucky's toast. I think so. Yeah. Um, But even if she knows she's toast and even if she wants to burn it all down, the instinct among Western uniform personnel to not torch the government is strong, which is, by the yeah, way, is a good true. thing it's a most, good thing. Of the time, most of the time, but it also allows governments to get, get away with stuff sometimes. So yeah. anyway, that that's the latest. We will we will keep an eye on it. That's that's all I've got. Um, this this is something. Sorry, I'm getting messages. Let me just turn that off. Um, this is something. I don't have much to say about this yet. And this is just a quirk of timing. It's Thursday afternoon when we film this. We'll probably release this. Canada Day, Friday. Um, Happy Canada Day. Happy Canada Day. Um, There will be a convoy protest of some kind in Ottawa tomorrow. I don't know if it's going to be big or not. I do know that Pierre Polyev has been marching with some of the protesters as they arrive in Ottawa. Um, You know, it's funny. Everybody's like, why won't people condemn this? I don't condemn people when they choose a side. I just think people have every right to remember that they chose a side. No, I mean, Paul yeah, has aligned himself politically with the broader convoy movement. To which yes, I and say, okay. Well you'll, well, you'll notice also he's very careful about what he says about that. I, I align myself yeah. with the with the legal side of what they're doing, but I condemn anything they do that's illegal. You know, um, see if that works. Yeah, we'll, we'll see if it works. I mean, I, I'm actually not sure strategically, just from a pure Machiavellian point of view, if this is a bad move for him. Oh no, um, if he yeah, is trying to draw, yeah, if he's trying to draw non vote non like non traditional conservatives into the the tent and trying to gain momentum for um uh, the conservative party at a strategic pivot point for the for the liberals ahead of the next election I, this might make sense um the question is also are people going to hold it against him that he broadly aligned himself with the truckers in a year or two when more details about the emergencies act and how dodgy that was comes out when people put COVID behind them, when the mandates have all been dropped, yeah, you know, I mean, the the the, the convoyers kind of lost the battle but won the war in a lot of ways. If that makes sense, they, they haven't gone away, and they're not going to go away. They um, haven't gone away. They've not gone gone away. If they can, you know, move, pivot their movement in such a way that they're not, you know, harassing or bothering Ottawa residents and generating contempt from ordinary people, um, you know, essentially the. the, the Everything that they wanted is 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 coming to fruition, um, and I don't think I think people are going to be in in a year or two. People are going to be in such a rush to not remember COVID that they're just going to remember that like the federal government sort of clamped down to a crazy degree on this protest movement. And if you weren't in Ottawa getting harassed by these guys, you're going to be like, well, they wanted to drop the mandates, and the government dropped the mandates. So is it bad policy in the long run for Pierre to be aligning themselves with these guys? I, huh? Sure. I'm not sure. It's a gamble. I think it's a gamble. I think well, it's, it's a, a huge gamble. gamble. I mean, look at it this way. I, I would not be aligning myself with these guys on, on the grounds that a lot of these guys have said stuff that's nuts. And I also, as a politician, purely strategically, I wouldn't align myself with a populist movement because it'll eat you. Like it's, yeah. it's the very rare leader who does not get eaten by these movements. And I don't, but he, but he is a populist movement. So he's already, he's already yep. put that money in the bag. And yeah, then no, the here's the thing is, though. I disagree with you a little bit. He is, 
these guys are something else. So what if, mm. if Polyev and Convoy intersect, does he assimilate them or does he just get absorbed into their blob? And this is this is always the question. This is always the issue that con- the conservatives face when they try to align themselves with populist movements. Yeah. Now, that being said, like, I think you and I are in agreement. I, you know, I wouldn't align myself with the Convoyers because they don't they don't align with my own sort of values and perspective on a lot of these issues. Um, however, do I think that the average Canadian is so in, in deep in so informed about like every wing nutty thing that these convoyers said that that's going to stick to Pierre? No, I think they're I don't, not engaged. I think they're not engaged. Yeah. I think most I think most Canadians are just like, oh fuck it, COVID's over, mandates are dropped. These truckers don't like mandates. Fine, move on. Like and and I I don't think that that's that most Canadian voters are so engaged with the truckers that they know that you know the second organizer from the left you know, had, had, had really wing nutty views about the WEF. You know, like, I I just don't, I just don't think that they're that tuned into these guys. So I'm not sure that strategically, like my own views about them aside, I don't think strategically that this is as disastrous a move for Pierre as, as, you know, us Laurentian consensus assholes may think it is. Uh, You and I are well outside the Laurentian consensus on this one, because, you know, people, people have been telling me the last couple of days, Polyev is destroying himself. He's aligning himself with this movement. I'm saying he's aligning himself with this movement. We'll see if it destroys him. Mm-hmm. And I think it's possible in, in the way you're spelling out that it doesn't have much of an impact. I don't think it's possible it works. And I, this yeah. is the thing I keep telling. I, I, I said to a liberal friend of mine this week, like a capital L partisan liberal, I, t- I said, you seem very certain that this is going to backfire. And she's like, oh, I'm absolutely certain this is going to backfire. I'm like, are you more or less certain you were that Hillary would beat Trump? And then she thought about it and she just wrote back, fuck you. So, I mean, <laughs> like, th- this is the problem, right? So I, I still yeah, yeah. don't think a big piece of the Canadian Laurentian consensus understands what's happening now. I No, I think that that's right. And the other thing that I would give Pierre some credit for, and again, this is a very Machiavellian kind of credit, is that he's got he's got good political instincts man his instincts right now are better than the liberals yeah his his political instincts for the people he needs to motivate are much much better than and 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 you know we've always said this but the laurentian consensus is in its own little bubble and it has a lot of control and a lot of say over the narrative but its ability to control that has frayed and splintered perhaps to a terminal degree at this point so i'm not sure that they're that there's with it with the general sort of i don't think they have their finger on the pulse of the nation as well as they think they do and i can tell you i'm pretty sure pierre's got his finger on the pulse of his nation i agree no i, I think that's well said and i also think polyev has something where i think i've said this before i think polyev's political strengths match up well against the prime minister's political weaknesses mm-hmm. polyev has something that is almost like political kryptonite in canada he doesn't give a shit about the Laurentian consensus yeah, he doesn't care what it's boards true. he's going to be on when he if, nope. after okay. if he becomes prime minister. He doesn't care about what yep. law firm he's invited yep. at. Like this is this is something. It was actually it was in the Toronto Star, I think, that this was being written about. Who was it? it was maybe Susan Delacourt who wrote about this a few, uh, about a month ago, and she basically made the point: take him seriously. Like this is like a lot of people. This is why I think the liberals. Uh, I mean that. Well, I, I'm being a little sloppy when I say the liberals. I kind of mean more the centrist blob of Canadian public opinion. Mm-hmm. at least that's engaged on this. I still think there's an expectation that this is all kind of some sort of cynical con that he's going yeah. to yeah. lure in some I voters. I don't think it is. I don't think it is. I think I this think is a is. guy who has identified his moment where he can be himself. Yep. And I think that's going to give him a real advantage over the prime minister who has spent the last seven years trying not to be himself. Yep. Um, 
All right. So look, I mean, other than that, I don't have much else to say about this. We'll see what happens tomorrow. My gut feeling is the Ottawa cops will be on the ball this time, if only to avoid further oh, yeah. mockery. And yeah, I, I think it's going to probably fizzle out, but that's fine. Tell me this um, Alberta thing. Okay, so the Alberta Governor General, and my husband has only just told me about that this morning, and I haven't looked into it myself, so I'm going to like uh, crib note this. But essentially, the Alberta Governor General just issued this totally scathing report that found that more that the Alberta government, the conservative Alberta government, basically like lost track of something like $1.4 billion in federal transfer payments, and they're still trying to account for like another $3 billion more. So here, here, you know, we're talking about, you know, those evil, you know, socialists running through money and the conservatives like literally have lost 7% of their budget. Oops. And it just, for me, it just highlights just how incompetent this government has actually been. Um, and on top of that, you know, how lucky it's also been. I, I don't know if you know about this, but Alberta, uh, for the first time in seven years, has posted a, a surplus, a three-point-something billion-dollar surplus. Yeah, I read that. Rev- oil revenues, baby. Drill, drill, Oil drill. revenues, just basically, we had the biggest single-year jump in oil revenues in since the 1940s. This is and, all driven by the price swing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. 100%. Um, and there's a really interesting technical reasons why that's the case, why higher price oil is is like it triggers different tiers of of royalty comeback. What's the word I'm looking for? Um, revenue. Revenue. It, no, it's not revenue. It's like there's different tiers. When, when the price of oil is low, Alberta gets double hit because like not only does, it's, does the overall royalties remain low, but like it, it also takes those royalties at a, at a lower rate. But when the price of oil hits like a hundred, then it's not only is it getting more more actual dollars, but like the actual rate goes up as well. Okay. So it's almost like it's um it's almost like a graduated income tax system, right? Like the more money you bring in, the more money you get, kind of thing. So um, it, but this means we double down when times are low, and then we we triple up when times are high. So we're tripling up when times are high. But it, to me, it's like okay, wait a minute. So we got like something like sixteen billion dollars of oil revenue, just unexpected manna from heaven oil revenue or resource revenue it's also natural gas um resource revenue and like we've only got a three billion dollar surplus like you know what i mean like it's 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 like nothing about these conservatives have been physically responsible at all you can't make this argument that they have been a fiscally that that jason kenny is one of fiscally responsible government that is just not true so uh i kind of want to do a little blurb on that just because alberta is where i live and then the other thing I want to do blurb on, just because we've been covering the Supreme Court in the United States, that's not our beat, obviously, we're in Canada, but, um, you know, the Supreme Court, uh, while it's on this own the libs, uh, overturning precedent, um, yeah, they spree, hit the Environmental Protection Act, I think. Yeah, they basically have, have devolved the EPA to the states, which is crazy. Um, and I don't know. I think they're just gutting, the, the Supreme Court is now just gutting the federal system and they're gutting federal precedent. So... I think that has real existential issues for the United States um, and something that we in Canada need to pay attention to because like things could go weird. <laughs> things could go bonkers, as you said last week. Should be bonkers. Uh, so, so I think I just want to list, do a quick list of just like the stuff that the Supreme Court got up to this week and just point out that like you're undermining the whole federal sort of agreement and like, is California going to stick in for this? Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. So but anyway. Um, you don't probably don't know this about me. My favorite movie. Well, my favorite movies are tied. I have two favorite movies. One of them is a movie called Failsafe. It's from the early 1960s. It's about the Cold War. Very grim, fascinating, well acted, great movie. But don't watch it right before bed. My other favorite movie, Ghostbusters, 1984, the comedy. And there's a great scene in Ghostbusters, which I've probably seen 200 times. I can quote almost line by line. 
where um, a, a guy from the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency, is convinced the Ghostbusters are hucksters and doesn't think they're actually capturing ghosts and putting them in like this electronic prison thing. So he just has his, a, a guy turn the prison off and then boom, all the ghosts escape. <laughs> And I saw this tweet by like a constitutional guy in the U.S. today that said what the Supreme Court did to the EPA today is like shutting off the Ghostbusters containment grid. Yes. And yeah, I like, like that. That was extremely niche content, but that was like for me. Like that's that is like a guy writing a tweet exactly for the audience of Matt Gurney. So can you, I, can you find that tweet? Because I think we I want to use it and use like a it. Ghostbuster containment gif, like yeah. gif or something. That would be funny. Oh, uh, believe me, I'll I'll find you some Ghostbuster gifts, young lady. Don't worry <laughs> about that. So we deliberately last week decided we wanted to talk about something a little light uh, when we wrap up what we're doing here. So you have dropped some pretty heavy you and mcgregor stuff on me lately i'm not gonna i'm not gonna reveal any secrets of yours on on the podcast or video here but oh it's you, fine let's just reveal my secrets it's fine okay i was not gonna do this but let me just say you are looking forward to kenobi okay so look oh yeah first of all what is kenobi it's it's the it's a it's a sick heart <sighs> disney plus star wars mini series that yes. fills in the um the, the what obi-wan kenobi was doing yeah between from the, from the from the prequels to the to the, the original the original trilogy, trilogy yeah. so the thing i have to explain is that when i was 15 i was a huge star wars fan and like read all the canon fiction and things like that and um my you know how every every female kind of has their first major celebrity crush i don't but you've told me about yes this. okay i think most women have like uh when they're just sort of entering into their era of sexuality will have like a, a one of their first crushes and my first crush was uh ian mcgregor from uh the clone wars yep the beard and the, the flips and the, i was all into him i was like he was my guy it was like a baby duck imprinting on mama mama duck like that was my type from there on right like that was my my go-to mid-rank jedis yeah mid -rank, yeah, there we go all you have to be is mid-rank jedi it's fine this is good um but so anyway like Padawan so, wouldn't do it for you but like once Padawan would not do it no it had because it was not it was not the first Ian McGregor it was the second Ian McGregor yeah anyway so um point being is that then a couple of months ago I started to see this TikTok trend and I'm not even on TikTok but I saw this TikTok trend where women were like first celebrity crush guy I married oh I've seen first yes I have crush, seen some of those guy I married they're really funny because like half the time you're like Oh, haha, that's funny. Your first celebrity crush was Harry Potter, and then you married like a little nebby, nebbish little little mm. white kid with like you know dark hair. Ha ha ha. And then I was like, well, my first celebrity crush was Obi-Wan Kenobi. And then I looked over to my husband. Uh, oh. Oh, not only is my is Ewan McGregor Scottish, but my husband is also Scottish from like two valleys over mm. and is a large bearded man with he's the, got same the color he's got hair. the beard. He's he got a calm demeanor. Yeah, calm demeanor. And also he uh like a black belt in martial arts and all kinds of things like that. Like like the, the parallels in real world are very funny. So anyway, oh. I've been very disappointed by the Star Wars franchise, like most Star Wars fans. I thought the prequels were terrible. Um, pretty much everything but the Mandalorian has sucked. And to be honest with you, even the the reboot, the soft reboot they just did, they lost me by the the third one. I went from being like super fan to like I this is stupid. Of Mandalorian. No, no, not the Mandalorian. I mean the the actual video, the actual movies, the one with Ray Skywalker. I haven't I, watched. I, no, I watched. I, the I, I watched the first one. Thought it sucked. Everybody else loved it. I thought it was garbage. 
I watched the I, second one. Everyone thought it was garbage. I thought it was fine. And yes. I just didn't watch the third one. Yeah, that was pretty much my path. Um, except for the fact that I thought that the first one sucked. It was too much of a reboot of it was A New Hope. Yeah. And, but I was like, okay, but you've set something up here. So we'll see where you go with it. I was willing to give it time. I thought the second one was interesting. Like it had mm-hmm. some, it had some stuff, parts that sucks, but it had some really interesting moments. And if they had like just stuck with a couple of different themes, it would have been good. But I liked that they subverted expectations. I liked that they wanted to take it in a new direction. And then the third one was terrible because it went back. It, it responded too much to the fan reaction, went back on all the thing, good, good things they did on the second one. And then they like made Ray like a daughter of Palpatine. And like, I eventually watched it, but yeah, I eventually watched it with like the most half-assed interest. Like they really had lost me by that, by that, by that movie. But the Mandalorian comes back and the Mandalorian was phenomenal. The Mandalorian was a great spaghetti Western, went back to like Star Wars, Flash Gordon style roots. Grogu is hilarious, is hilarious and really, really cute. So I was, okay, I'm like, okay, okay, maybe these streams. So I was, I was all in on Obi-Wan Kenobi. I was all in, I was like, this could be the series that brings it back for me. And truth be told, I really liked Obi-Wan Kenobi. Hey, to me, don't spoil anything for me. I am going to watch uh, it. Yeah, okay. I, I really liked Obi-Wan Kenobi. Just to, just to give you a sense. So basically one of the big critiques, so there was a, um, a movie critic called uh, Red Letter Media or Mr. Plankett who basically I, deconstructed I, I... This I is yeah, yeah, this is he he massively deconstructed everything the prequels did wrong from like lack of proper characterization to tonal problems to character arc issues, like and he just like in a cathartic way deconstructed it. And to me, Obi-Wan Kenobi like took notes from Mr. Plinkett's deconstruction and fixed almost all of the problems. Like they have an actual character, a, a real protagonist who starts off at a kind of a low point in his life. And then that gives you the opportunity to follow him as he actually engages in a in a in a process of of improving himself and, 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 and undergoing a character arc. Is it perfect? Is it, could I nitpick certain parts of it? Yes, I absolutely could nitpick certain parts of it. There are parts of it, they're like, oh, this is kind of annoying, whatever. Um, but like overall, I think they were very careful to stay true to canon. I think that, you know, um, Ian McGregor was a brilliant actor and managed to portray, frankly, post-traumatic stress disorder brilliantly. Um, they followed him through a realistic character arc and I found it to be a really compelling, excellent um, uh, series. And, and I think that's reflected in the fact that I think this is probably one of the top streaming yeah. series of all time. Like it's been hugely, widely commercially popular. But all of the fans are shitting on it. And like, it seems like all the critics are shitting on it. Like, like even it even Nobody, got like, yeah. And it even was got well reviewed. No, it, well, it was all reviewed by some places, but all of the sort of the classic fans have been kind of like, oh, this is, he's getting bossed around by a 10 year old man, 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 he's not acting like a hero. It's like, no, he's not acting like a hero. He's a highly traumatized PTSD survivor who's trying to like get out of that shit, get out of that hole. Like, anyway, I just, I, I got really angry because normally I think the fans, when they trash Star Wars, are largely right. Yeah. And they've nailed, nailed it. But now I'm seeing all the people, I'm like, oh, you, you trash Star Wars. You're right. Now I'm seeing them trash Obi-Wan Kenobi when Obi-Wan Kenobi looks like they have faithfully fixed many of the problems that those very critics have pointed out. And I'm very frustrated by it. I just pulled up the tomato score. Um, normally in recent years, there's been a real divergence between what like the professional critics are saying, what the fans yes. are saying. Yes. And Kenobi has like a low 80s um, Audio, uh, critic score and a 63 audience score yeah so and, and that's because a lot of the audience people were um what's the word they were bombarding it with low reviews before yeah. the series was even fully out they were bombarding it with low reviews to try and undermine the score so like this i found to be just absolutely painful and frustrating because i'm just like 
and also i mean a lot of star wars stuff is also really caught up in woke culture and woke anti-woke subculture as well so like like a lot of the response to um like there's been a lot of sort of uh commentary and response on youtube where people are dissecting woke tropes and woke videos and like this is why this stuff sucks it doesn't have characters and blah 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 blah. yeah and in this case of course um reva is a black character whose name my actress's name i forgot so they like 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 she's kind of um as presumed to be a token black actress and they're treating her as much and it's very racist it's very problematic but in addition to that it's also just wrong because she actually did a really good job in the role like it was really good they did a they did a good job and i just really wish that every once in a while a star wars fan or some of these star wars people would just be like actually you know what that was pretty good for like for like what is supposed to be serial spaghetti westerns like this is this is actually very good and like as i said i think ewan mcgregor was a really really great actor but of course ewan mcgregor can do no wrong to me because i'm in love with him he can, he can do no wrong um it's interesting you say that so i'm not a star wars guy i'm a star okay. trek guy I mean, yeah well look, you're because i'm at starfleet headquarters whatever. um fine so the Star Trek franchise went sort of adrift for a while, um, and it's come back with a bunch of TV shows recently, and they've been not great. Um, mm-hmm. The Star Trek Discovery, I had such high hopes for. No, it wasn't, wasn't no. good. Um, no. Star Trek Picard, I thought the first season actually was good. So they bring back Patrick Stewart. They bring back the character of Jean-Luc Picard. Like, they they do the time jump kind of Kenobi style, right? Like, when mm-hmm. we last saw you, you were a captain of the Enterprise. Now you're a retired admiral. Let's get caught up with your life. And your life has actually sucked. You've had, like, a really hard 20 years. I thought the first season was good. And a lot of people didn't like it, and I agreed with them. They didn't stick the landing. They had way too many plot threads. They all tried to wrap up in like Mm -hmm. one episode. Mm -hmm. They either needed to start cutting some of those plot threads off earlier in the season, or they needed like an extra two episodes to wrap everything up. So they didn't stick the landing. But overall, I thought the first season of Picard was good. I didn't like the second season. It had no focus. It meandered. I suspect some of that was COVID related. I'm not trying to make Mm -hmm. excuses, but I think it's probably been hard to make a TV show over the last little while. Mm -hmm. So... Picard, a disappointment. A discovery, I stopped watching. That, like me not watching a Star Trek show is astonishing, but I don't watch Discovery. I just gave up. Too frustrating. Nine weeks ago, Strange New Worlds comes out. It is a prequel. Um, it I guess Kenobi style. It fills in. So in the original Star Trek series back in the 60s, the Enterprise is already 20 years old. Kirk is a young, young officer who's been given command of the ship, but he's not the first captain. And they mentioned a couple of times in one episode, we see who the the previous captain was. They're showing us that captain on a five-year mission before Kirk's. So it's still the Enterprise. Spock is there as a young officer or who is there as a young officer. I went into this with so much trauma. Mm -hmm. i'm like i've been hurt by star trek this is star star wars fans can relate to this can relate to this feeling strange new worlds is really good it's not perfect like i could i could say this episode was weak or i don't like that character decision but what they've just done is they've gone right back to basics they like discovery in particular had a lot of criticism of being it was ticking off all the diversity score boxes, but it mm-hmm. didn't have good writing. Yeah. It, like the characters were all this really multicultural group, diverse group of actors. And after three seasons, I still can't remember their names because yeah. the, the characterization is paper thin. Yeah. Um, the, the writing is, which stupid. is one of the crucial sort of ongoing problems with the woke TV or woke movie genre. You know what I mean? Like, like the actors are perfectly cast and they yes. have no lines. Yeah. And, and no they have characters. No lines. Yeah. 
um so i went in expecting to be disappointed and strange new worlds has been fantastic it's it's episodic so it, it's doing exactly what original star trek and, and the next generation did well you're on a freaking starship every episode you're at a new planet it's a new set of circumstances okay this week we're rescuing the aliens who had a natural disaster this week we're fighting the evil aliens who have attacked a colony this week we're back at a base because the ship's damaged it's a lighter episode the crew's having fun it's amazing and again it's not perfect but the fact that i'm getting like reliably good star trek given to me on a weekly basis now is fantastic and the so only you know what point- I think we need to do? I think I need to watch Brave New Worlds and you need to watch Kenobi and we need to come back in a few weeks and sort of see I how we feel. I am going to watch Kenobi. Um, okay, and I now I'm going to watch Brave New Worlds because I would Strange never- Strange New Worlds, but yes. Strange New Worlds. See, I, I would never have watched it unless you've given it your, your, your thumbs up. I will give you a tiny little email primer to get you caught up uh, okay. of, of the canon. But okay. this is actually, and we, we've only got like three minutes left here before I got to go. This is an incredible time for television sci-fi fans because you've got Kenobi- I've got Strange New Worlds. Uh, For All Mankind, which is on Apple, is fantastic. Stranger Things on Netflix. New episodes dropping this weekend. Um, HBO just came out with Westworld, which is um, obviously great. Like This is a golden era for television science fiction. We should enjoy this because, wow, have we ever had some droughts before. If you are a TV sci-fi fan, I'm I'm not a huge Star Wars fan. I have not watched The Mandalorian. I have not watched any of the other recent shows, but I like the original movies and even the prequels and sequels enough. I will watch Kenobi. Plus, I like the character of Obi-Wan. Plus, I like Ewan McGregor. So I'm in for Kenobi. But right now, I've got Stranger Things. I've got Strange New Worlds. I've got Kenobi to look forward to. I've got For All Mankind. And Westworld just came out with new episodes. So we never have to leave our house. It's great. If only the pandemic had started now, we would have been just fine. The content would have been amazing. Mm. So I don't know. I hope that we're heading into a new golden age. They rebooted um, Twilight Zone a few years ago. I didn't like it. I am a huge original Twilight Zone fan, like the 50s, 60s versions. Even I just the want, a- them, I want them to bring back an X-Files, but not the X-Files, you know? Uh, have you ever watched Fringe? No, I don't think I have watched Fringe. Is that good? It's been off the air about 10, 15 years now, yeah, but it okay. was like that. It was okay. a crack team of weirdo scientists and FBI guys. Fringe had a bit more of a meta plot. So basically, hmm. someone is attacking the United States using technologies that they can't explain. And it's like the crack unit trying to figure it out. And hmm. I figured out the plot twist about 10 seconds before they revealed it in the final episode, and it blew me away when you find out who's attacking the United States. It's so, I would recommend Fringe. It was five years. That was a good show. I I don't know if it streams anywhere though. But anyway, you're going to watch some Kenobi over the break. I'm going to watch some Strange New Worlds. I'm going to watch Stranger Things. It's a good time to be a science fiction fan. So we're going to end off on that happy note. We are. Okay. Happy happy Canada Day. Happy Canada Day. Thanks everybody. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. Okay, that's it. I'm done. Time for me to turn this thing off. This was the 11th episode of the Lions Experimental Podcast. The moment I publish this thing, my vacation officially begins. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this. Do check out some of those shows we talked about if you're looking for something to do over the next few weeks. We'll talk to you soon. If you haven't already, please subscribe today. Happy Canada Day. Thank you for your support. 
And Jen Gerson and I will talk to you soon. For The Line, I'm Matt Gurney. Take care.